2: Haven't they suffered enough? It's one of the greatest lines of all time. It was 1980. I was working for WTAE TV. The Iranian hostages had just been released. I was in the little enclosed area in the newsworm, newsroom where they. Uh, kept the news ticker, you know, the old machines that used to spit out the news from the Associated Press and United Press International, and I was reading reaction to the news about the hostages from around the world. Bowie Kuhn, who was the commissioner of Major League Baseball, had announced that all the hostages would be getting lifetime passes to Major League Baseball games, and I thought, boy, that's a nice gesture, and that's when I saw the quote from Beano come rolling out. Haven't they suffered enough? It was so much wrapped up in that four-word question. It was brilliant, and it stayed with Bino for the rest of his life. Bino died nine years ago today. He was 81. Now, I got to know him not long after that quote, and he was one of the smartest, funniest, uh, most original characters I ever met. And now he has a book. Yeah, even though he died in 2012, the book came out today, and it's written in the first person. Because the co-author, John D. Lucas, was smart enough to use the 15 years, 15 years or so, uh, worth of recordings he did with Bino and let him speak for the book. Now, I haven't finished the book yet, uh, but I will. Uh, And if you like sports, you should too, but it's about so much more than sports. It's history, politics, and it's spectacular, by the way. And here's what he said about, uh, what Bino said about politicians in the book. The only talent these people have is an ability to win a popularity contest every few years. They are nothing more than glorified prom kings and queens, and yet we treat them like movie stars or royalty. The vast majority of these people have never succeeded at anything else in their lives. Few things piss me off more than when a reporter or a talk show host addresses someone who has been out of political office for 20 years as governor, senator, or Mr. Speaker. You don't call a retired mail carrier Mr. Mailman. They're all government employees. Why are politicians so exalted? That's so Bino, so true, and I agree with everything he says. When we come back, we're going to spend the rest of this hour with the author of this book, one of the authors of this book, uh, the one who can be here. Uh, The name of the book is Haven't They Suffered Enough, and it's John Lucas, and we'll be right back. Stick around. Well, now we, I want to tell you about a new sponsor that we have here, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to have the uh, CEO of this company on the show tomorrow because the story uh, of, of his product is so um, so interesting. Uh, you know that smoking is uh, a terrible habit to have, and it's one of the toughest things there is to kick uh, to get to, to beat it, uh, and. Uh, this this we're going to talk to you about MyNicotineTest.com. It was founded by the director of the New York City Fire Department Tobacco Program. He's going to be on the show tomorrow. He treated hundreds of first responders after their extensive smoke exposure at Ground Zero, and he was also uh, he is an ex smoker. Now, mynicotinetest dot CEO has been a major thought leader in tobacco treatment for over 30 years. He's treated more to, maybe more tobacco dependent people than anyone else in the U.S. So here's the thing. When you want to check your weight, what do you do? You step onto a scale. Well, the My Nicotine Test measures nicotine levels using urine test strips to monitor progress. And MyNicotineTest.com is individualized to your personal chemistry with your smartphone and it guarantees the highest success. Their their science-based approach has a quit rate of 70%. That's amazing. I think he told me, we'll talk about this tomorrow, but I think he told me that when he took over the the, uh, New York City Fire Department 28% of the members smoked, now it's 4% because of this system. The uh the cost of of three my nicotine test is the same as a carton of cigarettes. So it's mynicotinetest.com there are no failures only tobacco users that have not yet found mynicotinetest.com go to mynicotinetest.com right now
1: thinking about life insurance If SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For a free quote, call
0: 800-523-3771. That's 800-523-3771. 800-523-3771. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop you save get full details on the example policy at slugquote.com slash commercials or price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors
1: not available in all states
2: it's finally time to replace that old leaky roof or how about some new siding you can count on windows or us the area's premier exterior replacement company this is john steigerwald with over 50 years experience in the home remodeling industry windows or us offers repair and replacement for roofs siding gutters and downspouts windows entry doors even decks a leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. Offer valid through 123121. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at us, That's us,
1: Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret: we make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as two dollars each. At checkout. That's Harry's.com, code 3388. Enjoy the John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer.
2: Well, I met a lot of interesting people in my, uh, scary to say, almost 50 years of working in the media. I worked uh, with and hung out with legends, guys like Bob Prince, uh, Joe Green, Ernie Banks, Satchel Page, even. I even spent a day with Howard Cosell, local legends like Paul Long, Joe Donardo. Nobody was more of an original and more entertaining than Bino Cook. Bino's been dead exactly nine years ago today. John Lucas has brought him back to life with a book called Haven't They Suffered Enough? Uh, And he joins us now. John, thanks for being here. John, thanks for having me. So Mike tells me that you answered the phone, the the person who makes the phone calls here, Colombo i i had i wasn't going to start with this but you sent me a, a recording of him answering the phone like that and uh i was told that it wasn't quite good quality enough to put it on the air so i i was hoping to do it but now that you as long as you answered the phone colombo just real quick
3: what's that all about i i think it was appropriate for today Absolutely, uh, that was that was the way bino answered the phone whenever whenever you called him uh as you know, there was no answering machine. You know, it could ring a dozen times, maybe 15, you yeah. know, by the time he got there. And uh, once he picked up, it was always it was always a television character from the 1970s. You know, Detective Columbo, Steve McGarrett from Hawaii Five O. Yeah. And if he was feeling really, you know, really out there in a different mood, sometimes you'd get Dr. Quincy.
2: Dr. So, Quincy, okay. Yeah. Well, I said to him one time, Bino, you know, come on, why don't you have an answering machine? This was before the Internet and, and, you know, cell phones and actually cell phones were around by then. But when I asked him about this, but he said he said, listen, if you call me and I don't answer the phone, I'm either not home or I'm dead. That was his answer. So What a perfect Beano Cook answer. So, uh, you know, that's the kind of guy he was.
3: That's but, it. He, was, he wasn't one to, to, to fool around or, you know, mince words. He was to the point with oh, no. everything he did.
2: Oh, yeah. So on the cover it says, and by the way, I want to make sure that I, I have it right here. The, the official title of the book is not just, you can't just have a regular, you can't have a, fo- a four-word uh, title for a book these days. So it's Haven't They Suffered Enough? An Unbelievable Career in Sports, PR, and Television. And it's John D. Lucas. uh Correct. So, on the cover, uh, it says Bino Cook in capital letters and John D. Lucas in regular letters uh, underneath it. Uh, and Bino, as I said, has been dead for nine years. So how is this a book by Bino Cook?
3: Well, it's, it's, I guess the best way you could put it is B, Bino's Batman and I'm Robin. Yeah. Or if you, if you wanted to go back to his era, you could say, you know, the Green Hornet and Cato. Right. Uh, I was, you know, his, his sidekick, his ghostwriter. I uh, did a lot of other things for you know over his career, but I I started writing for him uh, you know when I was in college and different shows he did and pieces he did for ESPN and things like that. And one day he he got me and sat me down and said, you know we're, I've been trying to write a book for for going on 40 years and I can't do it. You have a talent to write and you're going to do it for me. So. <laughs> So, you know, you can imagine the, the shock that uh that registered when, when I heard that, but that's that's kinda how we got started. So we, we started doing the interviews and you know, he had, like I said, fifty years of notes that he had typed up and you know and put away and and uh you know, we went at it.
2: Yeah, I uh I started reading the book, I think I got it on Friday, the this copy you sent to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I read some of it Saturday, and some of it yesterday, and some of it this morning. And um, it's interesting because when I read you, you wrote the introduction as you, and so I didn't know really what to expect when I turned to the first chapter, but the first the first sentence by Bino is, "I've never been able to write a decent lead," uh, and so I started reading. I said, "Wait a minute, this is Bino talking to me," um, and and that's what jumps off the page, uh, John. Is this is Bino talking? Uh, And you did a great job of writing it in a way that it's just, it's you transcribing, basically, what he said uh, and making it nice and compact and, you know, cleaned it up a little bit for book purposes. But it's, if you knew Bino and if you didn't know Bino, but it's Bino Cook talking. That's what this book is. It's spectacular for that reason, among others.
3: Thank you very much. Yeah, What we tried to do was, you know, was capture his voice. and It's there. And, and, you know, one of the best things I heard, not just what you said, uh, Ernie Accorsi, who was uh, one of Bino's great friends, uh, former general manager of the Browns, Colts, and and Giants, he said, uh, I feel like I'm sitting there, you know, across the table from him and Runyon's listening to these stories. And that was one of the greatest compliments I can get because that was was the goal. I mean, obviously Runyon's closed down before (laughs) – before my time, right? But I was able to. We, being and I, would sit for hours. yovi's uh, hot dog shop on Liberty. Yeah, uh, we'd go out to dinner at Ruth's Chris. We'd sit in his apartment, and it would just be. It was a back and forth. It was two people talking, and you know, I would ask him questions, and obviously, a lot of it he had, he had in his mind how he wanted to you know, things to start. And but to, but to you're recording all this.
2: Right. You you were sitting at the hot dog shop recording him as you're eating a hot dog.
3: Right. And there's there's people, you know, there's the you know, the ambient noise in the background, there's people yep. talking, you know, he's you know, ch- chitter chattering with people as they go by, people coming by the table. It's you know, it's 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 being of the way he was. It's yeah. not a, it's not a polish and you know, I mentioned it that it's it's uncensored, unconventional. Because he was an unf- unforgettable guy, and that's that's the only way we could have done it, and I think that's the way that the way it turns out.
2: Well, the story in your introduction about how you ended up doing this and how you met Bino is really interesting. Tell the story about how you came to be the author of this book and how you you hooked up with Bino in the first place as a young kid.
3: Uh, it's it's, you know, it's like any story associated with Bino. It's it's a good one. I, I wrote him a letter when I was uh, getting ready to graduate from high school, uh, <laughs> and I sent it to KBL. Uh, you know, this is going on 25, 26 years ago. And sure enough, a couple of weeks later, I got a letter back in the mail from him. And it was, you know, his, his unique, uh, handwriting, which is, you know, it was part hieroglyphics. You needed a translator to get the, to get most of it. But I was able to figure out, he wanted me to call him at a certain time uh, on a certain day, gave me his home phone number and said, we'll talk. So I ended up calling, giving you know, giving him a ring and we you know we talked for a while and, and without sharing too much of the story and the introduction, you know, we we got to be close friends and you know he, he became my, my, my mentor in terms of my writing career. And uh, you know it's strange how you just you just put a stamp on a letter and you take the time to, to write somebody, you don't know if you're gonna get something back, but in this case it turned into something big and I'm, you know, I'm glad he wrote back to me and I'm glad that you know we got this done.
2: Now, what about his advice to you? Uh, if you want, if you wanted a career as a sports writer, it was—it's tremendous. It was so Bino, and this is you writing in the introduction when I saw this.
3: Right. It was. That was keep in mind, this is the very first conversation, and I've, you know, I'm 18 years old. I've right. been watching this guy on TV for for a couple of years, as long as I can remember, on ESPN, KBL, making the college football picks and and everything else. And I'm thinking he's going to be telling me these these hidden gems about, you know, getting into sports writing and, you know, a career in the media. And he asked, he said, you want to be successful? I said, yes, sir. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm writing you a letter. And, you know, I want to sort of pick your brain if you don't mind. He says, okay. He goes, number one, write it down. Don't get married.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and he never did, but, uh did, no. you, uh,
3: did you follow that advice by the way? I never thought to. Uh, so So far, you know, there's, there's two things <laughs> he told me when, when when uh, right towards the end of his life, last couple of times we talked, you know, he said, "If you ever finish this book, he said, you know, take care of Pitt, make sure you don't badmouth, you know, them or anything. Uh, don't pi- hype up Notre Dame too much because that's where I ended up going to college."
1: Right.
3: And he said, and "The other two things are," he said, "But if you do screw it up." And if you get married, I will haunt you. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I don't know if I'll be getting you know paid a ghost from right. uh, you know ghost of Bino past here a visit, but we'll see. <laughs>
2: well, in your introduction, you also wrote that ESPN sold Bino short. Uh, he worked for ESPN a lot, and uh, maybe that may be where he became most well known. What? Why did they? Why and how did they sell him short?
3: Uh, you know, John. T- to be honest, I mean, you've you've spent you know how many years you know in 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 the business in the mm-hmm. industry, and you know that everything is down to the second, and it's 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 impossible to probably give everybody their due. But uh, they they did a, a thing on the 150th anniversary of college football a couple years ago, and and overall it was extremely well done. I mean, well written, well produced. You know, they, they they tied in a lot of the history, they used a lot of footage and interviews, and, and, you know, they captured the history and the pageantry of the game very well. But, you know, I think just got, you know, maybe 10 to 15 seconds. And I'm not saying they should have devoted an entire, you know, entire show or segment to him, but he was not just a guy, and you're going to read this in the book, not just a college football historian and commentator and, and maybe the world's biggest college football fan he had a very, very important role in the rise of ESPN because that was one of, that was the first major sport outside of college basketball that ESPN got. I mean, they were running on Australian rules, football and ping pong and bass fishing and, and God knows what else. And then once the, you know, the Supreme court ruling came down and, and they got college football in the mid eighties, that's when they brought Bino aboard. And he sort of, uh, you know, he laid the foundation for that network. So everything you see that they have today with all the pro sports, you know, the worldwide leader in sports entertainment, you know, a lot of it was, was because of him. And I just felt that they could have, you know, could have recognized that a little bit better instead of just, you know, making him sound like he was, uh, you know, just a... You know, kind of a historian or a commentator or something, something yeah. to that effect,
2: or a, or a um, a gimmick of some kind, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and he, I, I'll get to this later, but now that you mention it, um, he also, when he worked at CBS, um, people don't know this, and and when he he worked for ABC, um, there were not seventy five college football games on every Saturday. There might be there's some days there were there was one, right. uh, and some days there were two. Um, but Bino, as far as I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Bino was very much in charge of which games ABC decided to carry. He would they would lean on him to find out what game the country was going to see that Saturday.
3: Right, uh, he was you know he was kind of the uh, you know I, the word that I used for him was you know the Rasputin of uh-huh. you know of ABC Sports with Rune Arledge. It was the famous executive that, that gave us worldwide you know wide world of sports the Olympics and all these, you know, these, uh, famous programs. And, uh, what happened was he hired Bino to do publicity, but I think there was a, there was an underlying agreement there that Bino would be a little bit more than just a publicist. And he, he became Rune's right-hand man as it came to college football. And he had a lot of, he had a lot of, uh, programming decisions and he had a lot of input that I think that, that nobody back then would have been given. I don't think anybody today as a publicist would have that type of, uh, what type of pool with you know with someone like Lou Arledge. And but, but you know was a he was a player behind the scenes, and I think that's another thing that a lot of people don't give him the credit for. You know he was as you know he was always one to, to dress up in the outfits and do the gimmicks right. and the pranks, and he was he was great with that stuff and he loved it and enjoyed it. But I don't think he's ever really gotten the credit for some of the the, the really important things that he's done. And I think a lot of not just sports fans you know college football fans, but everybody should appreciate because. He played a big part in, you know, the way we watch sports on TV today.
2: And everybody will like uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff that he uh, talks about in the book at CBS and ABC with Walter Cronkite and Howard Cosell, and talk. Uh, you know, he talks about the difference between working for CBS and working for ABC.
3: Yeah, he he, po- he points out a lot of different uh, you know aspects of working for these two major networks. I thought that was one of the most fascinating parts of the book is that you know you have these two these giant media entities and they literally were across the street from each other yeah and you know he worked for both of them but it was like they inhabited different planets you know one was known as the big news network with cronkite cbs the other abc if you told someone you worked for abc sports you know you you know they said oh wow you know you know howard cosell if you said if you worked for cbs they said oh do you know cronkite you know it was it was two different worlds there and i think he he did a great job sort of going back and forth and, and telling people what it was like to be, you know, working at that era in those two, those two places.
2: How about how he got the name Bino?
3: That's a, like a great Pittsburgh story. Uh, and I think that, you know, as if you've read, you know, got through the first chapter, you understand that, that, that only, that thing can only happen in Pittsburgh. I don't know if it can happen anywhere else. You know, the way that, the way that happens, you know, little kids standing around the moving truck and, the, you know, the neighbors come over and, you know, the one guy just sort of, bestows it on them because they came from Boston. I mean, it's one of those, you know, yeah, magical they, moments.
2: They called him Beans when yeah, right. that turned into Beano because it, uh, but his name is Carroll, C-A-R-R-O-L-L, and that caused him some problems as a kid, I'm sure.
3: Oh, it, it, it really did. I mean, it was, you know, it's a famous Famous little line in the book where he asked his mother. He says, uh, "You know, if I had been named a girl, what would you have named me?" And, you know, and she told him Kathleen. He said, well, "I don't see much difference."
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that was great. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of difference between Kathleen and Carol. Thanks a lot. Right. Uh, but
3: he, yeah, he goes, he goes through that whole thing, and you know how as he grew up, and uh, you know all the different Carol's he, he would come across. It was there was kind of a fraternity of of Carol's, and yeah. you know he mentions that, but then. But, you know it was, it was it was fate. i mean that that nickname he gives a lot of credit for because it's 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 interesting it's unique and nobody else has it it's it's stuck for you know for how many years
2: i don't think we we'd be talking about a book by him if his name was carol cook i just i, I don't think it makes it um, right uh, i got a couple minutes left in this segment i, I was stunned to read that he knew i think he, i got this he knew hannes wagner and pie trainer and how did he as a kid find himself hanging around with people like that? And that's kinda of what got him started as a Pittsburgh kid who loves sports.
3: Yeah, he was he was always hanging around. That was his, his big thing. He was uh I mean he said he mentions in the book he spent more time at Pitt Stadium, Duquesne uh, gardens uh pit pavilion forbes field then he did his own living room I mean, and probably doing his homework which drove his parents bananas there's a lot of good stories with his uh <laughs> his educational life as well but he was uh he was always hanging around and you know and got to know all these people and i think it was you know it was obviously a, a simpler easier time you could sneak in a lot of these places press boxes and you know different bars and things like that but he uh you know got to know them and and they sort of took him under his wing and i think that's you know that that's that's Bino. i think that was his personality and he had a very you know it's a very likable way around him and these guys uh took a shine to him
2: and he he took that and ran with it and and uh he ended up hanging around with you know lots of important people um that's that's kind of amazing how he was able to um Uh, When you you said Hannes Wagner, nobody hung around with Hannes Wagner, but but Bino actually did. Hey, I'm going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll finish uh, talking uh, with John Lucas, uh, who has written the book called Haven't They Suffered Enough about Bino Cook? Stick around.
4: With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Drug maker Merck is asking U.S. regulators to authorize its promising antiviral pill against COVID-19. The request sets the stage for a decision within weeks. If cleared by the Food and Drug Administration, it would be the first pill shown to treat COVID-19. It would add a new, easy-to-use weapon to the world's arsenal against the pandemic. Correspondent Jeremy House. The FDA will scrutinize company data on the drug's safety and effectiveness before rendering a decision. All COVID-19 drugs now authorized by the FDA require an IV or injection. Southwest Airlines continues to cancel flights following a weekend of major service disruption. At least 360 flights canceled today, more than 600 others delayed. Air traffic control issues and bad weather blame for the operational challenges that resulted in some 1,900 canceled flights on Saturday and Sunday. This is SRN News.
1: Right now people are home with their pets more often and I think especially with the shedding they're more cognizant of what's going on and that it's an actual issue. Dahl has got some skin issues. He gets really going and scratching. Excessive shedding. A lot of just scratching and itching.
3: Jiggy, scratching and itching and biting. On top of that he was starting to get black buildup in his ears.
1: D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com.
3: I just heard the Dynavite commercial so many times. I said, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I ordered it and tried it, and it worked.
1: We started Dynavite, and it's been our first stock. We noticed a difference, especially with the shedding.
3: Within three weeks, he's not scratching and itching. and knees an all-around
1: happier dog. We've got four dogs, all different ages, all different sizes, and they've all just responded really well to the Dynavite, and they all love it. We will be using Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. We order our Dynavite from Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. AM
0: 1250 the answer. Larry Elder's away, but Carl Jackson's got you covered. This is Carl Jackson on the next Larry Elder show. American and other airlines will require employee vaccinations. Divorced parents are going to court over vaccinating their kids against the coronavirus, and American Air says workers must be fully vaccinated by November 24th. The U.S. has gone cray-cray with this Wuhan virus. This is Carl Jackson on the next Larry Elder show. The Larry Elder Show, weeknights at 7 on AM 1250. The Answer. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy & Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience
2: to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy & Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do, to protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law.
4: Deb's constipation with belly pain, discomfort, and bloating kept giving her grief. She talked to her doctor to get some relief. Turns out Deb had irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBS-C, which was a start. Saying yes to Linzess helped her do her part. Linzess, or linacletide, is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives. It lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than six
1: Monday delays. there are in effect. Parkway East on the inbound side. County Jail to the Fort Pitt Bridge. A delay close to 10 minutes. Same on the outbound side. It's busy between Bates Street and the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. On the Parkway West, stacking up inbound. Approaching Green Tree down to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. On inbound Parkway North, it's a little slow between Reedsdale Street and the Fort Pitt Bridge. Some minor delays. Inbound Crosstown Boulevard down to Liberty Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM
0: 1250. The answer. Weather
1: have partly cloudy mild weather this evening with a low of 59 then warm on tuesday with a mix of clouds and sunshine and a high of 77 sunny to partly cloudy skies wednesday warm day with a high of 75 very warm thursday with a mix of clouds and sunshine and a high of 78 then watch for thunderstorms thursday night with your accuweather forecast i'm holly holdren
0: this is the John Stecker-Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. We
2: are, we are talking to John D. Lucas. He's the uh, author of the book, Haven't They Suffered Enough? Uh, about Beano Cook. And there's plenty of history in here. Right here on page 75. Uh, this is great. And this is t- so typical of Beano. Uh, John Michael is the coach at Pitt, and they're, they have kind of a boring offense. And, um, and, and so this is what Bino writes. In the Washington game, for example, our quarterback, Fred Mazorek, actually, Bino said this. John wrote it. In the Washington game, for example, our quarterback, Fred Mazorek, completed a pass for a key first down deep in our own territory in the fourth quarter. Passing in the shadow of our own goalposts late in a game would have been as unheard of in 1962 as it was in 1932, Quote, Jock Sutherland is spinning in his grave, remarked a local writer after the throw. John Underwood caught the exchange in a piece he wrote for Sports Illustrated. Uh, Jock Sutherland isn't buying season tickets, I replied. (laughs) So,
3: uh, I mean, Bino just had a way of cutting through it, didn't he? Yeah, he he sure did. I mean, he was, uh, you know, Bull at a China Shop is an apt description you know of the guy but uh very quick on his on, on his feet mentally in terms of just coming up with these lines yeah it's, it's unbelievable
2: yeah and so here's another great line he's he's talking about you know he grew up in the 40s 50s 60s he he says there was nothing like the late 1940s and 1950s the only thing we were missing were air conditioning civil rights and the mary tyler moore Show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but that, come on, only Beano Cook comes up with something like that.
3: Right, I mean, all the, the, the television references, the, you know, the, the World War II references, right. I mean, he could, I, I honestly think, I mean, you know, without doing too much self-promotion here, it's not just one of the best behind-the-scenes looks at, at, at college athletics, pro sports, network television, that sort of thing. I don't think there's another book on Amazon or any other bookstore on the planet, to be honest. Where you can you can have Art Rooney Sr., Colonel Sanders, Mary Tyler Moore, Robert <laughs> F. Kennedy, Rune Arledge, Red Grange, you know Joe Paterno, Don Shula, Phyllis George, all these names that just come you know one paragraph after the other. Uh, you know how it's how his mind functioned at that high level to tie all these things together is just it's 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 remarkable.
2: Well, speaking of uh, Phyllis George, she was. Uh, on the NFL Today, uh, uh, by the way, which a book has just been written about that show. Uh, and Bino loved that the the, uh, the CBS pregame show. I can't repeat what he said about it, but it's in the book, and it's one of the best lines in the book. You'd have to read that because we ain't saying that on the radio. Um, but uh, Bino said Bob Prince was the best teacher he ever had. Why?
3: Yeah, Prince took him under his wing when he was young, and I think that he uh – it was one thing to be a teacher and a mentor, but he, he treated him, even though he was a young kid, treated him like he, he would anybody else. And I think he, he, he gave him the best education on, on real life that you, you could imagine. You know, not just in, 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 in sports and getting into the business and things like that, but, you know, just, just how to get to know people, how to treat people in general. I mean, I think he really he really looked up to Prince. And, uh, you know, he mentioned he spent a lot of his youth in, in Prince's shadow, and and that's the truth. I mean, he was he would go to games. They would go to bars, but he he saw, he saw the way the guy carried himself and the way he did things, and it just uh, it was, you know, better than a better than a graduate uh, degree in terms yeah. of you know just getting getting through the game of life.
2: Well, uh, according to the book, you might not be talking to me right now if it were not for the advice that Bob Prince gave Bino. Right?
3: Yeah, that's that's the truth. I, I believe that one hundred percent, Bino. It's kinda of funny because I didn't I didn't know this. I mean I I knew of Prince and I didn't have you know, I didn't have the background with, right. you know, like like most pirate fans and, you know, people of a certain age do. But I remember asking Bino, you know, this is after I got into school and you know, he got me a couple of internships and I was, you know, doing a lot of writing, getting bylines and, and clips and things like that. And I said, Hey, I said, you know, I really owe you, let's come on, let's go out to dinner or do something and and he just said no and it was a real flat no, you know, and I'm Kind of taken aback, I said, "Come on, you know, let's, you know, get out of the house. We'll do something." And it was like, you know, no. And I said, "Okay, I just wanted, to, you know, pay you back for you know everything yeah. you've done for me." And he's he says, he, "You don't have to pay me back." He said, "You know, one of these days, people, you know, help somebody else out." And then, as we got into further into this book, he explained that the exact same exchange took place with him and Prince sometime in the nineteen sixties. <laughs> and you know, so you you get the idea that he he was paying attention, you know and I mean mm-hmm. he was that's just the way the way Bino operated. And I think that anybody yourself, anybody else who spent any amount of time around Bino, whether it was, you know, in the in the, the Pittsburgh sports media or even just random people he would meet, uh, he was a very, very generous individual. Now he could be he could be difficult at times, he could be cantankerous and all those all those things, but Uh, Deep down, he was a very, very, very good human being.
2: Yeah, and uh, he said being a war correspondent was the worst job in media. What was second?
3: Uh, Covering a Major League Baseball team for a beat. (laughs)
2: Yeah, being a Major League Baseball beat writer. He said that was second only to being a war correspondent. So that that kind of explains the haven't they suffered enough quote, doesn't it?
3: Exactly. And that's, you know, somebody else asked me too about, uh, you know, bringing it out now. And I said, well, I, Bino was real big on anniversaries. Uh, uh, you know, whenever we, he yeah. worked for ESPN and, and then I, I worked as a consultant for college game day for a number of years and we would go back and forth on stories, you know? So it was always, okay, what's the 50th anniversary now? You know, it's the fifth down and, uh, uh you know Cornell and 1940 or you know we would we would try to tie all these things together another name Michigan State in 66 or something so he was big on anniversary so mm-hmm. i said you know what you know we we're, we're going to hear his voice again 9 years after he died we'll we'll peg it right to the day and then the other thing it just occurred to you is too he would love to work talking about this now and nobody's talking about baseball playoffs, so I think that's that's even more more fitting.
2: Yeah, uh, and, and the name of the book is "Haven't They Suffered Enough?" An unbelievable career in sports, PR, uh, and television. Now he started off as a sports information director at Pitt, and for people who don't know, that's basically the guy who uh, or the person now who who um, get, does his best to get the Pitt news, uh, the Pitt athletic stuff into the papers back then it was mostly newspapers but getting it as he referred to it as space okay that was the main thing is this sid was you got to get space the boss has to see that uh the pittsburgh post gazette or the pittsburgh press or the pittsburgh sun telly was um writing about pitt because if you if they're not you're not doing your job so he turned that into an art form though because i am gonna tell you john i but from the time I started working a hundred years ago, I could fill a moving van with the amount of paper that I threw out, that was that I got in the mail from various colleges, with uh, you know giving me their press releases on their on the women's basketball team or the or the gymnastics team or even the football team for some small school. Nobody ever read them. Uh, nobody you got him in the mail you you knew that the guy was just doing his job and you felt bad for him, and you threw it in the waste basket before you even opened the envelope. but he figured out a way to get around that. What was it that he did
3: that was the releases were definitely uh that that put him on the map and uh, what he did was he came up with ways to to make the the copy uh funny and informative and that was uh Prescott Sullivan, the famous sports writer from San Francisco, kind of gave Bino the idea and said that uh you know, people aren't going to read these things unless there's a reason, you know, to read them, unless they're going to laugh or they're actually going to learn something. And so what Bino did was he, he took it and ran with it. He went, uh, it's, you know, in the book we mentioned that he, he went to Isley's. One day he was walking around Oakland uh, to get an ice cream cone. He noticed the price of, of chip-chopped ham was 99 cents a pound. <laughs> Filed that away in the back of his head. He put it into a release he was working on. So imagine you're you're reading these stats and it has uh you know, Joe Smith, uh, you know, fourteen carries, seventy two yards, right. one touchdown, going that hole and then you see Chip chopped ham, ninety nine cents a pound. Now at Eisley's, <laughs> <laughs> little, little things like that, you know, and, and, and people noticed it. And then they started picking up gas prices and uh, produce, and you know, and then he he, he really went off on a tangent. He, you know, he started when they went on the road, he would mention, you uh, know, he would rate the hotels. Yep. He would do his, you know, his ratings, which which airlines had the best looking stewardesses. Yep. you know, all this stuff, and people just they 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 loved it. It was it was so different because everybody else was just using the stats. And all the boring quotes and the coaches, and this guy was it was a it was a comedy act in these releases and uh, everybody just picked up on it and he he got a national name out of it. it got to the point uh you know as you' read the book that he had people subscribing to his releases you know for the most part, you couldn't give them away oh I'm and, telling you they got
2: they never were read John right. they they i I didn't open the envelope it was in the wastebasket
3: right he had he had it started out with pit fans and he had people around the country. Uh, you know, they're paying a ten dollar subscription for his for his releases. So you you figure all these other guys that you know there are you know, hundred some other colleges out there playing college football, these guys uh were just doing the same old, same old. But Bino, you know, the way he thought, the way his the way his mind worked, he he did a complete one eighty and, and you know, came up with his own way to, to, to get the word out.
2: And of course as an S I D you, you traveled. With the team, and usually you've advanced the team. If the team was playing, uh, if they were playing Notre Dame on Saturday, you were in South Bend. You were in Chicago on Wednesday. Getting trying to get space, get the writers to write about Pitt. Um, so you did a lot of traveling. Why was Myron Cope his favorite roommate when he was traveling? Well, Sid.
3: Well, when he started out, Cope Cope was his roommate. I mean, I think a lot of it was because they were too Two peas in a pod, both right. you know comics. Both uh, like to have a good time. Yep. And but Beano said that he was he was the only guy that, that made Bino look handsome uh, in comparison.
2: <laughs> so he had a chance with the chicks, and if it was between him and Myron,
3: right, right. He, he went through some of his other roommates. I mean, he roomed with Hot Rod Hunley. Uh, you know, later on, a couple other people, and he said, but Myron, Myron was his favorite. And if there's a, there's also I, I, if you've gone through the the photos in the book. There's a there's a picture of Bino in his boxer shorts, unpacking his <laughs> uh, his suitcase. You know, and, that's a scary and he, and he, sight. Yeah, and he told me, uh, you know, it was one of those, you know, funny. It would have been it would have been taken with a cell phone, but you know, yep. Myron must have had a camera, right? And I and I asked Bino. I said, "Where's this?" He I said, "I think it was at Syracuse." He goes, "Myron Cope took it." You know, it was just one of those things that you figure, oh wow, you know, you think of you know these guys that have been on the air for all these years, but they're you know horsing around. You know, in a hotel room somewhere. You know, 60 uh, years ago. I'd
2: like to have a recording. Speaking of recordings, of just Myron Cope and Bino Cook talking, like late at night, as they're lying in bed uh, after a long day's work, uh, talk just reminiscing or or just talking back and forth. That that would be that'd be a book in itself. Um, it sure would be. So. Um, uh, he was sports information director, and he had to take care of the writers. He he doesn't. He said there's a special place in hell for writers. I think most people in the media. But um, what t- what about the story when about the sports when he was sports information director at Pitt and a, a prominent unnamed national writer came in for the Pitt Army game?
3: There, there were so many things that these guys used to have to do, and it was you know, it was a case of you weren't just a liaison with the media, you know, nowadays you're setting up, uh, you know, you, you get credentials organized, you produce the stats, you, you know, you set up the booths, you know, make sure these guys have their hookups, the phone lines, the internet, they can do their stories. Back then you did everything. Uh, you were, you know, you would pick them up at the airport, you would go get prescriptions filled for them, pick up dry cleaning. I mean, you were, you were almost like a, you know, an orderly of, of, of sorts when you ran the press box. And and there was one time a guy came in and uh, you know Beano was kind of kind of uh, you know walking on eggshells around him because he needed this guy's vote. I think it was Joe Walton. Uh, he wanted to get him uh, All America recognition. So he needed this and, writer's vote in the voting
2: for All American.
3: Yeah, right. And because he wanted Joe Walton to get first team. And uh, this one guy it was it was funny. He says uh, he says hey you know Bino I says I need a I need a woman. He says <laughs> what are you talking about you know, put two and two together, so Beto says I never you know, I never thought this job but, you know, I'd have to be a pimp, but, you know, you do what you have to do to, to get the vote. And as as the story goes on, you know, this uh you know, lady of the evening, uh, Beto had to get her two free tickets <laughs> you know, for the for the yeah. game and, you know, thankfully the ticket manager never said a word about it, but uh it's pretty funny if you you read the book and you, yeah. you you realize what an extent. I mean, how much the job. I mean, EJ Borghetti, who is is at Pit right now, has Bino's, uh old position, and, mm-hmm. and uh, he's probably the best in the business, to be honest. He's very good. Yeah, uh, yeah, he you know his. The job from what Bino did to what EJ has to do now is, you know, it's a, a completely different story.
2: <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's it, it it's a great window into what things were like around the college football scene in the fifties and sixties uh, when Bino was growing up in the business. Uh, so much different from what it is now. Um, it's that's it's it's a history book too, as well as every, I mean, because Bino is very much into history, as you said. Um, so uh, here's a, here's a line that caught me. Quote, uh, I feel sorry for today's generation of writers, broadcasters, and media personalities. They'll never know that it's not the games or the work that matters. It's the stories, the friendships, the laughs. Uh, And I can remember uh, we'd be sitting in the press lounge at uh, at Three Rivers Stadium or at the uh, Mellon Arena. And it would be getting close to game time and people would start to get up and he'd say he'd bellow out f the game come on it's not who cares about the game it's it's the bs come over here we'd make a sit we'd have to miss the first couple of innings of the game because he just wanted he didn't care about the games he wanted to talk to people
3: that was it i, I remember that myself At i was uh i think i was interning at the the tribune review and i was covering a pirate game uh this is like late 90s and uh And he was so happy to see me there. He says, "Oh, he'll sit with me. You know, he won't go. He he, (laughs) He won't go
2: watch the game. Yeah,
3: yeah, right. He knows. He knows that. uh, Yeah, just go there to fourth inning. You'll get the stats. You'll be able to do the story. Don't worry about it. And and to to be perfectly honest, he he was right. I mean, you you learn more, you know, sitting in an environment, talking with him there than you probably do just, you know, watching the game.
2: Okay, I have a couple minutes left here with uh, John Lucas." Uh, and the book is "Haven't They Suffered Enough?" An unbelievable career in sports, PR, and television, and it's Bino Cook coming alive nine years after he died and talking to you. That's what it is. And now, I, you know, maybe it's uh, uh, maybe I react differently, uh, John, because I knew him. But I, I just want to tell people who uh, didn't know Bino that you will think you knew him after you read this book. And I, I'm, I'm saying this after only having read a couple of chapters, three or four chapters. Um, it's uh, it's a gr- it's a great window into who Bino Cook was and what what things were like back then and how much different they are now. What would Bino be thinking about what's going on in the world right now? Uh, just you know that men can get pregnant and uh, what's going on with politics and all the craziness that's out there.
3: John, I I think of that so often, uh, and other people have asked me as well, and I I know he would. He would a be going crazy, and b he would he would have a lot of wow. uh, commentary on it. <laughs> a lot I think material, it, it, yeah. Oh, it, it, it would provide him with it, with an endless supply of stuff. And I think that he was, you know, he was pretty. I don't want to say non emotional, even keeled the way he went about you know things. But he would be he'd be shocked at some of the things that you know that you hear coming off the news today.
2: Well, I'm going to take another break, and uh, when I come back, uh, we'll have a have a couple minutes with him, Mike. If we take a break now. Yeah, let's take a break now. We'll finish up, and uh, right after this.
4: Trinity.
0: Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands.
4: I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. I mean, in a matter of three years, we've already paid down $20,000 in credit card debt,
0: which is huge. Call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. The John Staggerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer.
2: We're back and finishing up with uh, John D. Lucas A Pittsburgh guy uh, who's written a book about Beano Cook, Haven't They Suffered Enough? An Unbelievable Career in Sports PR and Television. Uh, I'm going to have you on again, uh, John, in uh, December, because there's plenty of stuff here we can cover at another time. But I want to do it in December because I wrote a book myself a few years ago, and I learned then that that's when people buy books at Christmas time. So I want to make sure that we reach people uh, in the early days of December so that uh, you take advantage of that, because I want a lot of people... To read this book, not just because I'd like to see you have a successful book, but because I knew Bino, and I felt really lucky to have—I feel really lucky to have known him. And uh, I, I just—I think this book lets people uh, in on it, and let then people would this will this will let people know why people think the way they do about Bino Cook. Some people may look at him and say, "What's so special about this guy?" You know, he, he was on ESPN. I mean, I know he was funny and all that. But he's kind of a goofy-looking guy, and you know, what is it that about Bino that people like him so much? Because he could be gruff, and he could, you know, he could he he, he could cut pretty deep if he wanted to.
3: Yeah, he, he sure could. I, I think that you know, part of his lore was 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 his honesty, just that blunt. You know, the the, the no holds barred the way he the way he approached things, and I you know, I think that he would he didn't care what he said. I mean, uh, it was. You know, I, I think if you look at some of the the bloopers, uh, you know that he did for ESPN. I think if you, if you get on YouTube, those are some of the most downloaded or watched things. You know, because he was he was a character, and he would. Uh, you know, it's amazing. Uh, I think you know the, F- the FCC could have uh, gotten away with a lot more with him in terms right, of times right. and things. But he was uh, he just he just cut loose, and he 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 gave it to you. Uh, he was a big hero of his is General Patton, and that's that's the way Patton behaved and uh that's that's the way he went about his business as well you know he he wants you to remember it so he'll give it to you in a way you're going to remember it
2: i got about a minute and a half left i want to finish up with a story about how he collected newspapers if you can do it in about a minute and a half this is this is amazing to me about a, about a kid i got one minute
3: and it's yeah, okay. he, yeah he uh he, he he was a huge newspaper guy He he used to go to the train stations in pittsburgh all the out of town papers he loved to pick them up. He was a collector, other kids had you know baseball cards or stamps, and he loved uh you know getting the papers from all the different towns and I think you know a big part of that was because he he wanted to be a sports writer, he wanted to be known as a writer, and that was his his big goal so that's that 's the way he sort of went about chasing that goal and uh you know trying to learn that way.
2: Well, hey, I'm out of time, John. I said, As I said, we'll have you back on again because there's so much more. I haven't read in the book yet. But uh, great job on it, and I think Bino would love it, and I think that would be important to you.
3: Hey, thank you very much for having me on, John. I really, really appreciate it. I'm already looking forward to December. This was awesome. Thank o- you.
2: Okay, we'll be right back. Or no, I'll be gone. How much time I got, Mike? Ten seconds. Uh, get the book at Amazon, Haven't They Suffered Enough, John D. Lucas. Check it out. Now I'm done.
0: John Stagerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military.
1: Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the
0: use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn.